All right, if you've got a Bible, Luke chapter 1, that's where we're going to start. We're in week number 2 of our Christmas series. And in this series, um, we're setting up to get to the Christmas messages, the Christmas Day stuff, um, about what it, what it looks like coming home for Christmas. Um, last week, we talked about that um, peace uh, no matter what's going on in our lives, we, we all have this kind of inner conflict going on. And, and peace is found in the presence of God when we surrender to his will. Like when we just finally just get to a point where we can just say yes. Just yes, God. Yes, whatever. Yes to my next step. Not knowing what my next step might be. Not knowing the outcome of my next step. Not knowing anything. Just with an understanding, again, that you have never left me. You'll never forsake me. You'll never abandon me. You are with me. And so because of that, yes. Today, um, today we're going to look at a story that kind of overlaps into the Christmas story, into the birth of Jesus. Um, it's the time when his, his cousin was born. Um, his mom, Mary, and what would be his aunt, Elizabeth, um, are pregnant at the same time. Um, and so his cousin's being born. We're going to look at his story this morning. And so Luke chapter 1, verse 5, starts out like this. When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. So basically, you got Zechariah. He, he's a preacher, basically, married to a preacher's daughter. And, and watch what Luke says about them, because this is really cool. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes. That, that's cool. Like, we know, we know some people that, that we think are good people. All of us do, right? Like, like, I've got some people in my life that I highly respect. Um, I've got some people in my life that I'm, that I'm super close to because I think that they're, they're, they're really, really, really good people. I could say like, hey, he's a good person or she's a good person or those are good people or these are good people over here. Like, and, and you could do the same thing. We all know people that we would associate as good people, but that, that's what we say about them, right? And we could, we could disagree or we could agree on who's good and who's not good. But when the Bible says that somebody is good, they're good people, yes or no? Yeah, and the, and the Bible says that Zechariah and Elizabeth, like they're really good people. Now I know every once in a while you'll meet somebody, there's no such thing as good people, everybody's bad. That's why you have no friends, all right? That, but, but other people, like we know there's some good people. And the Bible says that Zechariah and Elizabeth, like they are righteous in God's eyes. Now, don't we kind of feel like in, I guess you could call it God's economy, that, that, that good people get good things and bad people get bad things? Like, like haven't we always thought that? Or isn't that kind of something that, that we've been taught or kind of something that we see society work? We call it karma, call it all sorts of things. We call it reap what you sow or whatever. But that's kind of what we believe. Like if you're good, God loves you. If you're bad, God hates you. If, if, you're, if you're good, if you do good things, God will bless you. If you do bad things, God will curse you. That, that's what we believe in many, many, many cases. But, but why? Watch this. Watch what they do. Righteous in God's eyes and careful to obey all of the Lord's commands. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. If you were describing me with a sentence, it wouldn't be that one right there. Like, that's not it. Like, Ryan was careful to obey. No, 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 no. I mean, I try. I try to obey, but sometimes I just, sometimes I don't even think about it, right? Anybody else with me? Like, I, I try to do good, but then uh, I just screw it up. They, watch watch this. So they're careful to obey all the Lord's commands. They're righteous. Good things should happen to good people, right? Bad things happen to bad people. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive. 
and they were both very old. Now, how old were they? Well, most scholars say between 65 and 70 years old. Between 65 and 70. We'll, we'll go on the low end, 65. I don't, I don't know for certain that that's how old they were, all right? So don't run out of here and say, my pastor said they were 65. Your pastor's a heretic. I don't know for sure, but we're going to sermon illustration purposes only, all right? 65 years old. The Bible says 65, they had no children. Just, just a really quick question. Please, 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 just tell me the truth. Be honest. At the age of 65, do you think for even a second that kids are even a remote possibility, yes or no? No. The Bible tells us they had no children. Now, we know, a lot of us know people who don't have kids who wish they had kids, right? We also know people who have kids that wish they didn't have kids. <laughs> we know that thing. But but this whole this whole thing of people who don't have kids, who can't have kids. This is not a new thing. It's been around for thousands of years. But in that culture where Zechariah and Elizabeth were, if you were a woman and you couldn't have a kid, people looked down on you. They believed that there was something wrong with you. They believed that you had this great big sin issue in your life. And it didn't matter that the Bible said that Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes and they were careful to obey all of the Lord's commands and all of that stuff. The rumors about them were huge. There were rumors that Elizabeth had sinned or that Zechariah had sinned or that somebody in his family had sinned. There was something wrong with them. And so Elizabeth had to wrestle. Think about this. She had to wrestle with the fact for years, some say 40 to 45 years, with the fact that she couldn't have a kid. She had to live with the fact that people for years were talking about her, were spreading rumors about her. The things going on about Elizabeth had to be incredibly judgmental and had to be incredibly condemning, which would send her to a place we would call disgrace. She was disgraced because she couldn't do what other people could do. And there was this big why. Why, God? God, why, why is this happening to me? Or more specifically, God, why is this not happening to me? God, why aren't you blessing me in the way that you're blessing other people? God, why? We're doing all of these things. God, don't you see what we're doing? God, we're obeying all of your commands. God, we're going to church every Sunday. We're raising our hands. We're singing loud. We're reading our Bible. God, we're doing everything. Why? Why can't we have what other people have? I don't know if you've ever lived in a place called disgrace. Some of us have lived there. Some of us are living there. It's not a fun place to be because when we get to a place of disgrace, it seems that we're just waiting on something big to happen. Something to, to just take us out of that place for somehow in some way for God to move and nothing is happening. And so disgrace brings oftentimes doubt and discouragement into our lives, especially on the spiritual side of things. We get, begin to get discouraged with God and we begin to doubt that God is ever going to move in our lives. Well, watch this, verse 8. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot. In other words, they, they rolled dice. That's basically what it was. Chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. When the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. And I'll talk about that in a second, and then I'll show you why. Church people haven't changed in 2,000 years. Because here you have Zechariah going into the Holy of Holies to, to make an offering on behalf of the people to God. They wanted their sins to be forgiven. And, and here's what's really cool about this. I've read over this for years and years and years. But the Bible says, like, like right here, what he, it's just it's telling us that Zechariah just happened 
to be on duty. And Zechariah just happened to get chosen. Listen, the odds of Zechariah getting chosen to go into the temple were 8,000 to one. There were 8,000 people that could have been chosen to go in and do that duty. But Zechariah just happened to be the guy that was chosen that day. 8,000 to one. Those are remarkable odds, wouldn't you say? I mean, we've, we've all done things. We've all played the odds. We, we understand the odds. How many of you have ever bought a lottery ticket? How many? Come on, raise your hand. This is central. We're not going to discipline you. We're, we're not. We're going to ask you to tithe if you won. If you say yes, and we're going to pray along with you that you will win. I mean, somebody's got to win, right? So might as well be you. The reason I think this is significant is because he's, he's 65-ish years old. He, he goes in. You can do this duty once. It just happened to be his day. It just happened that he was at the right place at the right time. See, we look at this and we think, oh my gosh, look at the circumstances, how lucky he was. But you see, this wasn't luck. This is God working in his disgrace. This is God working through their doubt. This is God working in their discouragement. This is God saying, hey, Zechariah, I still have a plan for you. You think that maybe I've forgotten you, maybe I have abandoned you, but I still have an incredible plan for your life. It's not happening in your time, but something's going to happen and it's gonna happen in such a way that absolutely blows your mind that nobody can deny the God you serve. Zechariah just happened to get chosen that day. See, it's, it's, it's funny. We, we talk about coincidences and things, and we live in coincidences. I don't, I don't think they're coincidences. I don't. And I think God is constantly communicating to us. And in fact, I think when God communicates to us, he communicates loud, he communicates clear, and he communicates consistently. And he's going to get our attention. We don't just happen to be in certain places. We just don't. So Zechariah, he's in there and he just goes in and everybody starts praying. And and this is what they're praying. They're praying that Zechariah would experience the presence of God. Kind of like what we talked about last week, that we want to create an environment where where we experience the presence of God every week. Like like that's what's happening. They're they're praying that Zechariah would experience the presence of God. Now keep that in mind as we go along. Verse 11 says this, while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken. You don't say. I would be too. And so would you. If I went home today, I'm getting ready to take an afternoon nap, and an angel showed up, I would be shaken. Actually, shaken is probably not the right word to describe me. Probably another SH word, but I'd be right there. Those of you laughing are sinners. You know what I was going with that. <laughs> Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him, but the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Now, if I'm Zechariah, after I get past this idea, after I get past being fearful and shaken and I've calmed down, I'm going to look at the angel and I'm going to say, what you talking about, Willis? What prayer? What prayer? Like, I've prayed a thousand prayers. I've I've been in here in the temple, in the Holy of Holies. I've been praying. Like, is, is it one of those? Is it something like, what are you talking about? And then the angel says, your wife Elizabeth will, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. Now, how do you think Zechariah felt in that moment? Actually, let, let me set it up by saying this. There are two types of people in this room. Two types of people. And the funny thing is, we, we know which person you are before we even ask. There are on-time people 
and there are late people, right? Right? Aren't there? On-time people are 10 to 15 minutes early. Late people, you're just late. Late for everything. <laughs> late to church. <laughs> late for, you're probably going to be late to your own funeral. Like, seriously. So I'm just curious. How many of you are on-time people? Raise your hand. That's me. How many of you are late people? Raise your hand. How many of you are sitting next to a late person didn't raise their hand? They're late to even this question right now. They don't even know what's going on. Here's the thing about late people. They won't tell you you're, they're late. They won't. Man, you're late. I'm not late. I'm not, I had to do a couple of things. I had to run some errands. I had to rearrange things. I had to wash the clothes. I had to fold the clothes. I had to clean the kids. I had to feed the kids. I had to eat the kids. I had to change the tires. That's why I'm late. No, dog. You're just late. Like, that's it. Like, you're late to everything. Now, the reason I bring that up is because doesn't it seem, doesn't it seem like God's late sometimes? Like, doesn't it? Like, honestly, doesn't it, doesn't it seem like God's late sometimes? To, to me, this stands out right here because the angel said, God has heard your prayer and you're going to have a baby. Now, just, just a simple question. Do you really think that Zechariah and Elizabeth at 65 are still praying for kids, yes or no? No. At 65, you're praying for the grandkids to go home because they're getting on your nerves. That's what you're praying for, right? They're 65, which means, don't miss this, that means that the prayers that Zechariah and Elizabeth had offered up 10, 20, 30, maybe even 40 years ago, God is just now putting something in motion. Something is happening. And, and, and in their minds, like at some point, they had looked at each other, they had looked in the mirror. They, they had done something. Something that clicked in their mind. They're like, hey, we, we, we're, we're done. We're out of the kid game, man. We're not praying for it anymore. Like they had probably even forgotten that they were praying for kids. That's how long they hadn't been praying for kids. And all of a sudden, in their moment of doubt, discouragement, and disgrace, God was moving. Because while their doubt and discouragement and disgrace were there, Zechariah and Elizabeth thought maybe that their life was absolutely broken down. They're looking at other people. They're seeing what other people have. They're seeing what's going on in other people's lives. But they didn't understand they were about to experience a breakthrough that was absolutely going to blow their mind. Something was going to happen in their life that only God could get the credit for. See, sometimes God lets a situation get to such an extent that only he can get the glory for the miracle that he's going to bring into our lives. Verse 14, this is great, watch this. You will have great joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. Watch this. <laughs> For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks, which is why he's known as John the Baptist. I told the first service I wasn't going to tell that joke again, and I lied. <laughs> People ask all the time, what's the difference? Hey, Ryan, what's the difference between a Baptist and a Methodist? What's the difference between a Baptist and a Presbyterian? What's the difference between a Baptist and a Catholic? It's really simple. A Baptist won't wave at you at the liquor store. That's <laughs> I can say that because I'm Baptist. Like, that's funny. I go, I'm going to ignore you. He, he was filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. I love this. Watch this. This is huge. He will be a man with the spirit power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Is this good news, yes or no? 
Yes, but there's a problem. It's a big problem because he has a hard time with it. Sometimes we have a hard time believing and taking God at his word. Would you agree? I mean, I do. I I really do. Like, if you grew up in church, you know, they lied to you a little bit. Now, they didn't do it intentionally, but, but we tell people that the Bible is, is a book of heroes, and we're supposed to emulate those people. The Bible isn't a book of heroes. It's not. There's one hero in the Bible. Anyone want to guess his name? His name is what? Jesus, right? Everybody else is screwed up, jacked up, messed up. Everybody. They are. And I know people will say, well, what about David? The Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. You mean the guy who committed murder and adultery? That guy, we're supposed to be like that? What about Noah? I mean, Noah had the ark and the rainbow. He also got drunk, naked, passed out, and cussed out his grandkids. If I do that, I get fired. Noah got a boat. Seriously. I'm just saying, man, if an angel shows up and tells you, hey, that thing you've been praying for for 40 years, that thing maybe you stopped, the thing you forgot about, hey, that thing that you wanted to happen is going to happen, that's a good day. Would you admit that's a good day? Would you admit that's a move of God, yes or no? Yes, absolutely. But Zechariah doesn't believe it. He doesn't. He has a hard time believing God's word. He has a hard time with faith. This godly man, who loved the Lord, who's righteous in the eyes of the Lord and careful to obey all of his commands, has a difficult time believing. Have you ever had a difficult time believing because of doubt, because of discouragement, because of disgrace? I mean, when the doubt, discouragement, and disgrace are there for 40 years, it's like, come on, you're gonna answer my prayer now? Like, now you're going to move? Like, dude, you could have done this years ago. Do you know the life I could have had, God, if you would just would have answered? But not, like, we're old. Now you're going to answer us? I find this next part funny because Zechariah is talking to an angel, right? More specifically, the angel is talking to Zechariah, and, and this is all Zechariah can get out. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Notice he doesn't call her old. Because <laughs> he's like, I don't know, man. You might go talk to her too, so I'm going to choose my words carefully here. He's talking to an angel, and an angel tells him, hey, you're about to get what you prayed for years ago. And he says, how do I know? Like, oh, I'm not sure. Can I get a sign? Dude. You're talking to an angel. But he's so caught up that there's no blessing in his life because of the doubt, because of the discouragement, because of the disgrace that he asked the angel. And and here's the lesson. Here's the lesson of this whole thing. If you don't get anything else I say today, get this. Like this is the sermon in a sentence. Don't tick off the angel. That's it right there. Like don't tick off the angel. I know some of you are thinking that'll never happen. Angels don't get mad. They're so holy and they're so awesome. And if they happen to be talking to me, no, 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 no. Gabriel gets ticked off. Watch this. Verse 19. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. You see the exclamation point right there? I am Gabriel. Dude, you're asking me for a sign? Check out the wingspan, dog. Look at this. Look at my sword. I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. Notice the exclamation point. Gabriel is shouting right here. But now, since you don't believe what I said, you will be silent 
and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. I absolutely love this. Zechariah didn't believe. And, and God, don't miss this. God didn't take away the miracle in his unbelief. God took away Zechariah's ability to talk about it, which is kind of a blessing. Because think about it. If you came to church this morning and somebody walked up to you and said, hey, how you doing this morning? Oh, I'm just great. I met an angel in my closet and they told me that my wife is going to become pregnant. This is the greatest day ever. Cool. Security. <laughs> Keep an eye on them when they go on the sanctuary. That'd be weird, right? Wouldn't that be strange? See, Zechariah, God was going to do something significant in his life, but he wasn't going to be able to talk about it, which is great because I don't think anybody would have believed him anyway. See, sometimes God's discipline is God's protection. So, so he tells Zechariah, hey, if you're looking for a sign, I'm an angel. And I'm telling you, there is a breakthrough coming. But even a man of faith had a hard time believing that God was going to send a breakthrough because for so long, he had been confused. For so long, he had been worried. For so long, he had been living in a place of doubt and discouragement and disgrace. And watch what happens. Verse 21, this is awesome. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. See, church people, y'all ain't changed in 2,000 years. Because they're outside praying, oh God, I just pray that he would experience your presence in a way that he's never experienced your presence before. Oh God, please speak to your servant, Zechariah. Use him in a mighty and powerful way to speak to your... Terry, how long he been in there? You think he's going to be in down that time? I don't know, man. Just shut up. Keep praying. God, please, in the name of Jesus, just bless Zechariah. Come on, God. Seriously, like, <laughs> I got dinner. The game's about to start. Like, how long is this going to be? <laughs> See, I know none of you do. I'm talking hypothetically in other churches, right? This is a reminder to me, and I'll preach a whole message on this some other time. But they were praying that he would experience God's presence, but they were really wanting God's gift-wrapped presence. They, they, they wanted him to experience God's presence, but all they really wanted was for him to come out and say, hey, it's cool. Checked in with the big fella, and you're all forgiven. It's okay. Go. We'll be back here next month, and we'll do the same thing, and we'll pray for your sins. And, and, and how many times, and, and this is so convicting for me to ask, how many times have we prayed and have we said that we've wanted God's presence? We want God's presence in this place, but we really just want his presence. We really just want him to give us. I'm just telling you, that's part of the story. We'll, we'll, we'll keep going because that's a, again, that's a hard convicting thing to think about. Verse 22, when he finally did come out, he couldn't speak, right? Because the angel told him, hey, I'm taking away your ability to speak. Couldn't speak to them. And I just imagined this in my mind. Then they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. So he walks into the sanctuary and he's all holy and reverent. He's got his shawl on or whatever. And he walks out. And he's like, hmm, hmm, Zechariah, something happened? Mm, mm, what happened? Mm, mm. I'm just imagining it in my mind. That's how I see it. Now that's how you see it too. 
couldn't talk, right? You're making gestures. Everybody's asking what's going on, trying to figure it out. They're like, man, he's going crazy. Like something happened. Nobody knew what happened. And, and, and this is the cool part. Verse 23. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterwards, his wife Elizabeth became, what's that next word say? No, everybody say it together. What's it say? Pregnant. How'd that happen? Seriously, how'd that happen? Everybody's nervous right now. There's only one virgin birth in the Bible, right? And it's not John. It's Jesus. We'll talk about him next week. How did that happen? He's about to talk about sex, Henry. Yes, because that's how he got here, right? That's how you got here. Your mom and dad one day looked at each other. And what? hey, and that's why you're here, right? Now, I'm just wondering about this. Because, listen, this, this whole week I've been studying through this, and I just couldn't get this out of my mind. And so I've got to share it with you. How did he set the mood? He can't talk. Elizabeth walks into the tent. He got some Barry White playing. Lit up some candles. I mean, something. I mean, Zechariah communicated somehow because it happened, right? It happened. She became pregnant. She became, like, you can play it. Go ahead. You missed your cue, but go ahead. You know it, right? It happened. Like, what they thought couldn't happen, happened. It happened. For 40 years, they didn't think it could happen. Do you know why it happened? Because Zechariah took God at his word and took a step of faith. Zechariah didn't go home and pray for his wife to become pregnant. Zechariah didn't go home and find a bunch of Bible verses about how to make your wife pregnant and write them down on index cards and put them all over the house. Zechariah went home knowing that God was going to do something and God was going to do something huge and God was going to make it happen. And so Zechariah goes, "Mm -hmm." that's all I got. That's all I'm showing you. That's it. Anyway, it's messed up. I know. But can we admit that Zechariah took a step of faith? Yes or no? Yeah. Don't, don't miss that. He took God at his word. See, we all pray for the supernatural, and we want, we want the supernatural to happen. We're asking God for the supernatural, but the supernatural is when God puts his super on our natural. We've got to take a step of faith. For example, we can't pray for God to reconcile a relationship and then just sit on our butts all day long and wait for the phone to ring. If we're going to pray to reconcile a relationship, we've got to pick up the phone and break off a phone call, Right? Like, we, we can't pray for God to make us healthy and continue to slam little Debbies every morning. Amen? It, it, it's like this. There's a phrase that people say all the time. And I'm just going to let you know, as your pastor, I love you, but I hate it when you say this. People say all the time, I'm just going to, I'm just going to let go and, <laughs> that's the dumbest thing in the world. You don't drive like that, do you? Seriously. You don't get in your car, parking lot at Walmart. I'm just going to let go and let God and press on the gas. You don't do that, do you? You know why? Because you drive through Walmart, literally. 
It's like the song <laughs> drives me crazy. That stupid Carrie Underwood song. Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus, take the wheel. No! Carrie, you're a bad driver. That's why you wrote the song. Has nothing to do with Jesus. Quit driving fast on the ice and snow and you won't wind up in the ditch. Women drivers. John Sampson told me to say that. John Sampson told me to say that. John at yourcentralchurch.com. There you go. (laughs) Send the email. Or if you want to reconcile the relationship, you pick up the phone and you call him. (laughs) I love you, John. I'm so sorry. He took God at his word and took a step of faith. that's, That's what he did. Let me ask you a question. What step of faith do you need to take? Like today, what step do you need to take? Like you've been praying and you've been praying and you've been praying for so long. And you feel like maybe God's forgotten you. Or maybe, maybe you, you stop praying a prayer because you think it's too far gone. And, and, and you're stuck with this doubt and this discouragement and this disgrace. And you're like, well, maybe if God would show an angel to me. Maybe if God would do this, then, then I'll do that. And, and maybe God is in heaven going, no, 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 no. It's your turn. You go next. It's time for you to take a step. Boy, Ryan, you're telling me God says I need to go first? No, 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 no. God is not telling you to go first. God went first in the empty tomb. And the resurrection proves that nothing is impossible. God already went first. Now God's saying, hey, you got next. So what step of faith do you need to take? Because what I believe that God is trying to do through this season is I believe God is trying to take something away from you. Well, hold up, hold up, hold up, oh, no, 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 no. You mean, Ryan, God wants to take something away from me? Like, in, in this, like this, is, this is not the season to take away. This is the giving season. I'm supposed to get, I'm supposed to get, I'm supposed to get God's presence, right? I mean, he's supposed to give to me. He wants to take away from me? Yeah, I absolutely believe that he does. I do believe he wants to take something away. And, and that thing he wants to take away from you, he'll take away in his time, just like he took away from Elizabeth. Like, I'm telling you, I'm in the process of him taking something away from me right now. And and if you let him take it away, it absolutely blows your mind. What does he want to take away from you? What is it? What's the next step of faith that you need to take where God will take something away from you? Because look look at this, verse 25, how kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away, see that? He's taken away my disgrace. That's what he took away from Elizabeth. What does he want to take away from you? What does he want to take away? What is it? The disgrace, the fear, that uncertainty, that doubt, that worry, that addiction? What what is it? What is that thing that has existed for far too long in our lives? God is telling you on the other side of this season you're going through, there's not a breakdown in your life, but a breakthrough Listen to me, God has not forgotten you, God has not abandoned you, and God still has amazing plans for your life. If you feel forgotten and abandoned, so did Zechariah and Elizabeth. Then at a time in their life when there's no way they could have taken credit for the work, God moved in a way where nobody could deny that God was at work. And eventually he brought something out of them. They named him John the Baptist. We still talk about him today. The name John is one of the most common names in the English language. And it came from two old people who thought God had given up on them. Listen, God did not give up on them. 
And God has not given up on you either. He's in the process of taking away your doubt, taking away your discouragement, taking away your disgrace, taking away your whatever. Stop worrying about his gift wrap presence and start looking for his presence. Let's pray. Father, right now I pray for every single person in this place, including me. God, there have been seasons where we have felt hopeless, seasons where we feel forgotten, seasons where we feel that we've been abandoned. And God, I pray right now that you would fill us with hope, that you would fill us with love, that you would fill us with joy, that you would fill us with peace because we know, God, that you love us and that you've created every one of us on purpose, with a purpose, and for a purpose. And you have a plan for our lives. God, we know that only you can take away our discouragement, our doubt, our disgrace. God, we know that only you can take us to a place to measurably more than we could ever ask or imagine because that's who you are and that's what you do. God, we pray right now that we would be reminded that through this process, not for a single second have you ever left us. It doesn't matter if we've prayed for years and we've stopped praying because we've lost faith. God, you're, you're still... You're still there. You're still moving. You were still involved in that moment of prayer. You're you're still working. And God, we're, we're thankful that you don't move in our time, but in yours. Give us the peace and the patience to wait on your time and to rejoice in your time. Thank you, Jesus, that you're with us and you're for us and your plans are greater than anything that we could imagine for our own lives. God, fill us with faith and fill us with hope and fill us with peace that, that, we've, never, that we've never been without you and that you will continue with us every single step. We're gonna sing a song and, and during this song and at any time you, you would like to have prayer. I'm gonna ask you to step out of the back door and there'll be somebody out there who will direct you to our prayer room and there'll be people in there who love to, to, to talk with you to pray with you about what you're going through or, or just, just, just talk with you about what's going on in your life and set up meetings for the week or how we can help you or how we can get you connected. We, we want this to be a time where if you've felt a move of God in your life or you feel God tugging on your heart, that you don't just sit there and not do anything about it, but there's an opportunity for you to actually take the step of faith, to actually walk into what God is calling you into. Is he taking something away from you today? What is the step that he's calling you to take? What is the step of faith? What is the step of faith that's going to be painful, but it's going to be amazing on the other side and bring absolute breakthrough into your life? God, I pray over these next several moments that you move in ways only you can, that we would experience your presence in this place, that we would feel you, and that we would be filled by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.